You are listening to episode 21 of Captain's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper, written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 55, Diurnia Orbital, 2372, September 10th. When I left the ship, I just followed my nose. I couldn't very well go down to the O2 deck. That's where crews went. As a rule, one didn't see captains down there. I headed up to the civilian areas on 7 and strolled around the orbital, looking for someplace. I didn't really know what I was looking for, and I was feeling a bit sorry for myself. It had been so long since I'd been single, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do anymore. Being a captain only made that worse. There were proprieties to observe that I hadn't had to deal with before. The stroll felt good to legs that have been too long in a can. I made two full circuits of the seven deck without seeing anything that appealed to me. I was familiar with most of the restaurants and watering holes on seven, but seldom frequented them. When I passed the ladder up to eight deck, I climbed up and made a circuit there as well. I recognized some of the places, but certainly not all. Eventually I settled on an upscale coffee boutique called Light City. The smell attracted me as much as anything, and after nearly a stand of walking in circles, a cup of coffee and a sit-down sounded like a good idea. Inside, the place was outfitted with a collection of sofas and chairs, a few restaurant-style tables, and a heavy wooden bar with about ten tall stools. The place wasn't crowded, but it was far from empty, and a low buzz of conversation wafted over a whirling, rattling sound coming from a glorious bronze and dark metal contraption against the far wall. It was roped off from casual approach, but held obvious pride of place. I was drawn towards it, and as I approached I could feel the heat on my face. A short, wiry man with a completely shaved head was opening some sort of lever and allowing the contents to pour out into a rotating wire basket. When the cinnamon-colored flow stopped, he reached back and flipped a couple of switches. A low-pitched motor sound died out as the heavier noise of the machine's mechanism faded. The basket was filled with roasted coffee beans, and the aroma was almost overwhelming. With his task complete, he turned to me with a grin. Good evening, Captain. How may I help you? I could feel myself grinning in return. I think I'd like a cup of coffee. He laughed. We might be able to find the odd cup or two. Do you have a preference? He stepped out of the roped area and led me to the counter. I hitched a hip onto one of the empty stools. Well, I'm most familiar with Jartmo Arabasti in a medium roast, but Sarabanda Dark isn't bad either. He grinned happily. You at least know the difference. I'm impressed. Most people can't tell espresso from press. How adventurous are you? He had a twinkle in his eye. Relatively. That roast there smells wonderful. What is it? One of the components of a house blend. That's an Arabasti base bean, shade grown on grail. We roast that to a nice light city and blend it with a city-roasted Zanovka Terrazzo. We call it Moscow Morning. I held out my hand. Ishmael Huang, nice to meet you. He grinned, wiped his hand on his apron before returning the shake. Steve Jacob, nice to meet you, Captain. Now what can I show you? I spent a delicious stand talking coffee, sipping samples, and savoring a large cup of an appropriately named evening mug. The flavor was rich and fruity with an almost cinnamon aftertaste. The shop did a moderate walk-in business, but Steve handled all the customers personally, many of whom appeared to be regulars. They walked up to the counter, were greeted by name, and settled onto the various chairs and couches, depending on their preference. 
a tension I didn't realize I'd been carrying melted away as the level in the mug went down. I don't suppose you sell much in bulk, do you, Steve? No. Vinny there is my only roaster, and I can only do 20 kilos at a time. Vinny? He laughed. Yeah, it's a Vincenzo Victorix 900 roaster. It's almost an antique at this point. I call him Vinny. He looked over at it fondly for a moment before continuing. I package a few kilos for regulars, but all the bulk stuff is custom order. I try not to have roasted beans laying around too long. Define too long. More than a couple of days. I have a few kilos bricked up if you'd like to take some with you, but I can't handle clipper ship quantities. What's your largest package? I can do five kilo pails, but mostly I just sell two kilo bricks. He shrugged. My coffee's expensive because it's custom roasted in small batches from special beans. He wasn't apologizing, just explaining. In the end, I bought a brick of the evening mug and another of the Moscow morning. The four kilos of coffee cost a little more than a full pail of our Jartmo Arabasti, but it would make a nice break in the routine. He put them in a carry sack for me. They'll keep in that package for two or three weeks without any problem, Ishmael, but once you open them, try to use them up within a few days. The flavor will degrade pretty rapidly. At the rate we go through coffee, these won't last more than a few days. I thanked him, shouldered my load, and headed for the ship. Riding down in the lift, it occurred to me that I hadn't really found what I'd gone out looking for, but had found something else instead. Funny how that works so often. Serendipity strikes at odd moments and always when you're not looking. I chuckled to myself, realizing that if I had been looking, then it wouldn't have been serendipity to begin with. The lift opened onto the dock, but the chill air reminded me of one other errand that I should run, so I punched the button for the O-1 deck and headed for the chandlery. I needed a bathing suit before I headed back to the ship for the night and a well-earned snooze. My treacherous body clock overwhelmed me at 0600. It had been my intention to sleep in, but in the battle between brain and bladder, bladder wins every time, once moving there was no going back, so I bowed to the inevitable and headed for breakfast. Most of the crew was present, including a rumpled and not very well-rested Mr. Paul. I gave my bundle of coffee to Mr. Wyatt and suggested he tuck it away until we get underway. The breakfast mess went smoothly, with Mr. Wyatt presiding over a waffle iron and the rest of us enjoying the fruits of his labor. The only odd spot in the proceeding was Mr. Rick's. There was something going on, judging from the looks he was exchanging with his fellow ratings. As we cleared the breakfast away, I took the opportunity to speak to him quietly. Is there something you'd like to talk with me about, Mr. Ricks? He looked like a kid caught with his hand in the candy jar. Why do you ask, Captain? I eyed him and then pointedly looked at the other ratings. They seem to think something's up. He looked at the deck. Yeah, Skipper. There's an opening on the board for a messman. Which ship? The Paul Fisher out of Martha's Haven. They're getting underway day after tomorrow. Did you apply, Mr. Ricks? I'd like to, Captain, but they think I should stay. What's your reasoning, Mr. Ricks? The shares have been great, and the ship has really perked up since you've been aboard, Captain. But, but this watchstander thing is getting old. I feel like I'm off balance and exhausted all the time. I think I'd like to try working the mess deck. Day workers don't have it any easier, I know, and the mess deck on a big ship isn't exactly glamorous. But when the day's over, I can sleep. So, what's holding you back, Mr. Ricks? Those sound like excellent reasons. Well, you'll need to replace me, Skipper, assuming I can even get the job to begin with. That's true of any of us, Mr. Ricks. Why don't you apply and see what happens? In the meantime, I'll contact the office and see if there's anybody waiting in the wings. He looked up at me. Really, Captain? Sure. 
Look, Mr. Ricks, you've been a good shipmate and you're qualified to take this berth. You've got some good reasons for taking it and the only obstacle is actually getting it. You can't manage your career solely on the basis of what's good for the ship, but you have to look out for you, too. It's too cold out in the deep dark to do a job you don't like. But what if I get it and you have to replace me? You could be delayed for days. Look at the list of open berths for deck ratings, Mr. Ricks. He blinked at me. There aren't that many to look at, Skipper. A few able spacers, and once in a while you'll see an ordinary spacer, but they don't last long. Why do you suppose that is, Mr. Ricks? There aren't that many openings, sir? I shook my head. There's usually a waiting list of people to fill them. You don't see them because they get filled too quickly. I smiled. Don't fret about it, Mr. Ricks. Follow your gut. If you want it, apply. If you apply, let me know so I can be prepared to replace you. That's all I ask. He looked me square in the face. Thank you, Captain. I'll apply as soon as we get the co-op set up this morning, and I'll let you know what I hear. Thank you, Mr. Ricks, and good luck. By the time we finished our little corner discussion, we'd attracted the attention of Mr. Wyatt and Miss Thomas, who kept their distance but looked questioningly at me as Mr. Ricks smiled and bustled off the mess deck to help Mr. Hill set up the day's co-op activities. Miss Thomas nodded after him. Trouble in paradise, Skipper. I shook my head. The boys aren't happy with Mr. Ricks because he's thinking of leaving our merry band of travelers and taking up with another ship. Mr. Wyatt looked surprised. Whatever for, Captain? He's got some good reasons, Avery, and I can't fault him for wanting to move on to something that he might like better. Miss Thomas nodded her agreement. Yeah, sometimes you just need a break. What's he going for, Skipper? There's an open berth for a messman. He passed the test a while back. He's qualified, although he has no mess deck experience. He'll be okay on a larger vessel where he can be part of an established crew. The answer seemed to serve their immediate needs, so I excused myself and headed for the cabin to check in with DST. I needed to know if we had any crew on the waiting list. My inquiry returned in a matter of a half a stand, with a summons to meet Mr. Maloney for lunch. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
Chapter 56, Diurnia Orbital, 2372, September 10th. Mr. Maloney met me for lunch in a place called Sandy's Seafood up on the Seven Deck. I'd heard of it, but never tried it before. The decor was what I think could be euphemistically called rustic, with plastic tablecloths patterned in red and white checks and large areas of family seating where people who didn't know each other could sit and pretend they were all part of an extended family. I never really understood that part from a patron's point of view. I did understand that it allowed the restaurant to put more seats per square meter and probably turned those seats over faster, as people discovered that they really didn't like sitting next to that crazy guy in the orange hair. I was grateful to see Mr. Maloney had taken a booth in the corner. Kurt was in the next booth, where he could keep an eye on the room and the door. I nodded to him, and he gave me a small smile and a nod as I approached and took my seat across from Mr. Maloney. Mr. Maloney smiled and shook my hand, half rising to meet me, and with ceremony served, we settled down to menu perusal. The waitress, a perky young woman in a red gingham uniform and a name tag that said Mary, seemed disappointed that we ordered water, coffee, and two bowls of Sandy's signature chowder. Ishmael, I've got to hand it to you. Mr. Maloney smiled at me. I really felt bad about giving you the Agamemnon. For most people, that's a punishment berth. What in the world did you do over there? I gave him the rundown on the issues with various crew members, standing orders, and the assumptions that many of them were working under. I really didn't do that much except take a look at why the ship wasn't making any money and figure out ways to fix it. He nodded slowly. Your opinion of Delman? No comment. He was the skipper for a long time, and I don't want to second-guess him, just as I'd hope people won't second-guess me when the time comes. Mr. Maloney snorted, but looked serious. Do I need to worry about the tinker? That was a fair question, and I considered it, sipping my coffee to buy a little time. He started with a good, competent crew. If he keeps them, they should help him. Inertia is a powerful force. What did you do with Wyatt? Your cargo performance has gone through the roof. It was my turn to snort at that. Check with your front office cargo dispatch people. He looked at me quizzically. We don't have any front office cargo dispatch people. That's who was picking his cargoes. He didn't know he could pick his own, so he called the office and your clerks would pick for him. For the last five runs, we've been having a little cargo picking contest. Winner after five runs gets a prize. He perked up at that. A contest? You and Wyatt? Mr. Wyatt against Mr. Hill. I picked the third can just so they'd be on an even footing. Hill? You let Hill pick cargoes? Kept him out of trouble on the docks, and he's got a keen eye for value. He's an able spacer. How could you let a rating pick cargo? It worked out. Why not? We could hardly have done any worse having him pick one can out of three than having your desk clerks around the sector picking up the whole load. I eyed him and let that sink in for a few heartbeats. And he won the bet. Maloney blinked at me. He outpicked Wyatt? I nodded. Well, I can't demote Wyatt any more than putting him on the Agamemnon. He sighed and then realized what he'd just implied. He did have the grace to look embarrassed. Oh, sorry. Why would you want to demote him? Mr. Hill outpicked him by exactly one credit after five cans. And the ship itself has turned more profit in the last eight months than it has in the last two Staniers combined. Mr. Maloney frowned, but nodded in agreement to cede the point. The chowder arrived, and we took a few ticks to savor the rich, creamy broth with potatoes, onions, and several kinds of fish. 
It was liberally sprinkled with fresh ground pepper and a spattering of minced chives. It came with a basket of warm biscuits. When the initial survey of the soup was completed, I glanced over to him. So, thanks for the lunch, but I'm guessing there's more on your mind than catching up on old times. Behind me, I heard Kurt snicker quietly from the next booth. Mr. Maloney shot him an amused look before turning back to me. Yes, well, the inquiry about the wait list. I thought it might be something like that. Who have you lost? He frowned. I didn't see any personnel actions on the files. Nobody yet. We may not. Zachary Ricks is going for a job on the Paul Fisher out of Martha's Haven. Maloney looked blank for a tick. I don't know that one. Mixed freight hauler. 80 metric kilotons. Private owner. They need a spacer. I shook my head. No. The opening's for Messman. Mr. Ricks qualified and is going for it. Mr. Maloney looked surprised. He's going for mess deck duty? Is there something wrong with mess deck duty? No, not really. Just seems like kind of a step down from deck division. I looked at him, and I think it wasn't really with the full respect he might have thought he deserved. Deck division needs to eat, just like the rest. And full share is full share. Behind me, Kurt coughed. It sounded to me like he was covering a laugh. Well, I suppose, Mr. Maloney scraped the bottom of his bowl and reached for another biscuit while he was considering. How do you feel about losing him? He's a good shipmate. He made a good morale officer, and he'll be missed. You want me to scotch it for you? Excuse me. Scotch what? He gave a small shrug and a smile. If I put a word in the captain's ear on this, uh, what is it, the Paul Fisher, he won't get the berth. I work to keep my face carefully neutral. I've already written him a recommendation and sent it along to Captain Plested. Mr. Maloney looked confused. If he was such a good shipmate, why do you want to do that, Ishmael? Shouldn't you be trying to keep him? The sigh almost escaped, but I think I covered it adequately by sipping my coffee. No, sir. He earned the berth. I owe it to him to help him get the berth he wants. He arched an eyebrow in my direction. You realize you're going to have to break in a new crewman if he goes. I shrugged noncommittally. Of course. It's the nature of the business. Mr. Maloney chewed on the end of his biscuit and gave me a long look across the table. I assume you have somebody on the wait list, sir? He nodded slowly. Several somebodies. I could see him running through the list in his mind, and I could only imagine what formula was being worked as he weighed what I'd told him against the list of spacers waiting for a berth. I waited him out, drinking my coffee. Stacy Arioni, Spacer Apprentice. Kurt snorted. I sipped my coffee once more and met his challenging stare from across the checked tablecloth. She's the worst of the bunch, huh? You don't have anybody worse? Mr. Maloney looked slightly offended that I'd commented. She's next on the list, been ashore the longest, and can't seem to find a skipper who'll take her. Okay. If Mr. Ricks gets the berth, I'll let the office know and you can send her over. You might want to interview her first, Ishmael. His voice held a note of caution and something else that sounded suspiciously like amusement. I intend to, Mr. Maloney. No, you miss my point, Ishmael. The amusement bubbled up. You'll need to get her out of the brig before we can send her over. You might want to interview her before you sign up to be responsible for her. He was grinning broadly. Brig? What's she in for? Knifing a guy in a brawl. What's her side of it? I have no idea. It's not the only time she's been in trouble. A real hard case. She's being held on station. He nodded. Short-term detention on the O-11 deck. I'm not sure how much longer her sentence is. She's got 30 days. From behind me, Kurt spoke quietly. Ten more days. 
They'll let me take her instead of serving out her sentence. Mr. Maloney shrugged. She wouldn't have served today if she'd had a ship. Judge wanted her off the orbital and needed a captain to release her to. Failing that? He shrugged again. She's in detention. The sigh escaped before I could stop it. Mr. Maloney grinned. I didn't punch him, and I gave myself high marks for my self-control. So, you still want to lose Ricks? I shook my head. I never wanted to lose Mr. Ricks. What I want is the best for my people. Keeping him or not isn't the question. He smirked. Visit Arione first, then see what you think. I nodded. I'll do that. Thanks for the advice. Mary returned to the table. Can I interest you gentlemen in dessert today? Mr. Maloney smiled. I'd love a slice of apple pie and a fresh coffee. She nodded and turned to me. I shook my head. No, thank you, Mary. I've got to get back to work. I slipped out of the booth and nodded to Mr. Maloney. Thanks for lunch, boss, and the enlightening conversation. He acknowledged it with an airy wave of his hand while Mary retreated to fetch his dessert. My pleasure, Ishmael. He grinned a little evilly. Don't say I didn't warn you. I nodded to him and turned to Kurt. Nice to see you again, Kurt. You too, Captain. Congratulations on turning that ship around. Thank you. I smiled and headed toward the door. Outside in the passageway, I made sure the recommendation for Mr. Riggs had been delivered to the fisher, and then pulled Arione's records up off the DST office files. Her public profile was bad enough. Her private record was much worse. The ID photo showed a young woman with flashing dark eyes and brown hair. It didn't say much about her. ID photos were notoriously bad. I headed for the lift. The O11 deck was all security. The doors opened and I stepped into a small anteroom with a podium and a security officer stationed behind it. She was looking at me as the lift doors opened. Her eyes flickered to my collar tabs as I approached, and she smiled pleasantly enough. Good afternoon, Captain. Can I help you? I pulled out my ID tab and offered it to her. Good afternoon, Officer. I'm here about one of the prisoners, Spacer Apprentice Stacy Arione. She took my tab and slotted it into the terminal on her podium. She consulted with something for a few heartbeats and nodded. Are you related, Captain? Is she one of your crew? I shook my head. Not related and not part of my crew yet. She's next on the waiting list and I'm expecting an opening. She eyed me over the top of her terminal. And you're going to hire her? I'm not sure. A lot will depend on whether she wants to be hired and whether I can get her released in time to sail. She tapped a few keys. You'd have to do a pro forma request or get her released on your recognizance, Captain, but she's served over half her term. She shrugged. When do you sail? Probably in the next two days. It really depends on whether I have a crew. I smiled. Is it possible to meet with Ms. Arione? She pulled a badge out from under the podium that was already embossed with my picture and printed with some official ease called from my ID tab. She handed it to me. If you'd clip that to your collar, Captain, and go through that door. She pointed to my right. The duty officer there should be able to help you. She pulled my ID tab from the slot and put it in a drawer in her podium. We'll hold this until you're ready to leave, Captain. I nodded, clipped the temporary badge, and went through the indicated door. Within a few ticks, I was seated at a table in an interview room while a security officer fetched Ms. Arione. I noted the obvious security cameras in the corners of the room and assumed that there were other, less obvious ones as well. The table itself was bolted to the deck, but I was amused to note that the chairs were not. The door opened, and the officer held it for a woman in a neon green jumpsuit with a large black P on the front. I recognized the eyes from the ID. 
Her hair had grown out a bit, and her attitude was a hundred percent hard case. I stood as she entered and crossed to the chair on the far side of the table. The security officer closed the door and took up a station on this side of it without comment. Ms. Arione pulled the chair out from the table and plonked herself down into it, leaning back and sneering at me across the scarred plastic surface. I took my own seat and regarded her. The deep brown eyes had some fire left in them, and her hair needed clipping. She had no visible piercings, but there were holes in her lobes. She arched an eyebrow at my scrutiny. Getting a good look, Captain. No tattoos, Ms. Arione. None visible. I shrugged noncommittally. So, what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? She barked a laugh. You didn't see my rap sheet, Captain. I saw it. I'm asking you, Ms. Arione. She backed down a little. Not much, but a little. Then you know. It's pretty much all true. Which parts aren't? Courts don't like little girls who aren't nice. You wouldn't understand that, would you, Captain? She bit off the last word as if it were a curse. I considered it. No, you're probably right. It's outside my experience. Never having been a girl, nor arrested, I couldn't say. I'll take your report as evidence. She seemed a little surprised by my response, and I saw a flicker in her eyes before the shields closed again. So what do you want from me, Captain? Your cabin boy leave you, and you're thinking of branching out? Your record says you're rated as able spacer, but we're busted back to apprentice. Four times, Captain. She said it almost proudly. One of mine may be going to another ship. I need a replacement. You want a job? She eyed me. Maloney hate you or something? My relationship with Mr. Maloney is not on the table, Ms. Arione. Frankly, I think he's using you as a threat to keep me from letting my crewmen go to another fleet. She was surprised at that and let her guard down almost completely. Using me as a threat? If I let my crewman leave, he's going to assign you to my ship. She laughed derisively. What's your ship, Agamemnon? I grinned. How'd you guess? She stopped laughing suddenly. You're kidding me. Agamemnon? What happened to Captain Dorkman? She pronounced it carefully as two full syllables. Captain Delman went to the tinker. I was next in line for captain. Mr. Maloney gave me the berth. Gods, he must hate you. Who's leaving? Chooch finally grow a pair? I smiled. You know my crew? She shrugged. The ratings are pretty well known on the docks. Penny anti-junk, mostly. Bar fights and the odd black market deal. Her eyes narrowed and she looked at me. I haven't heard much of them for the last few months. And keep them confined to the ship or something? I shook my head. No, Miss Arione. We've been hauling freight. She snickered. That's what we're calling it these days, huh? That's what I've always called it, Miss Arione. I'm in the business to make money. I'm captain, and I get the biggest share. But it's also true that the more money I make, the more money the crew makes. She threw her head back and brayed a raucous horse laugh. And what princely sum did your crew make on your latest run, Captain Midas? I believe the full share in this last run was in excess of two kilocreds. I set it quietly and let it lay on the table for her to notice. She stopped laughing, but didn't look convinced. You expect me to believe that? I shook my head. No, I expect you to distrust it with every fiber of your being. You don't know me, and you have no reason to trust me. She leaned forward and slapped the table with an open palm. And why did you say it? You asked. That's the answer. I have no reason to lie, but you have no reason to know that. I shrugged and looked at her. So, if this berth opens up, are you interested? Or should I tell Mr. Maloney he needs to find some other threat to hold over my head? 
She frowned at me. You're serious. Yes, Ms. Arione, I'm serious. I've already sent a letter of recommendation on behalf of my crewman, and I intend to follow it up. He wants to get off the Agamemnon. He thinks this is a good move. I want to help him. That's all there is to it. She leaned back and turned half sideways in her chair. She was regarding me like some kind of foreign life form, and I just let her look. After a few ticks, she spoke. What's in it for me? I waved a hand. Well, you would have to give up this palatial apartment and move into crew berthing. She snickered. You'd have to give up that lovely green jumpsuit as well. Then there's the endless watches. Well, you really know how to show a girl a good time, Captain. I try, Miss Arione. It slipped under her guard, and she gave a short and genuine laugh. Are you in or out, Miss Arione? Like I have a choice. Well, as I understand it, in a few more days you'll be out from under this little rainbow, and you can do what you want. Find another berth, maybe. Her face screwed up in a bitter grimace. Yeah, that'll happen, I'm sure. I gave a half-shrug. I'm offering you a berth. Quarter share for now until you can take the exam again. After that, it's up to you. Up to Maloney, you mean. I thought about that for a few heartbeats. Yeah, he has some input into it. If you pass the exam, I'll put you back up as soon as DST authorizes it. I'm willing to go to bat for you. You got any other offers? She looked at me then, square in the face. And what do I have to do to earn this spectacular large-ass captain? Stand your watch, do your job, pull your weight. She arched one eyebrow. That's it? No ancillary duties as required? No, be a good girl and do what you're told? I paused. Now, there might be an ancillary duty or two, Miss Arione. She barked a harsh, ha! Mr. Ricks is morale officer. If he leaves, that'll open up, and I think that generally falls to the junior member of the crew. In the event that you're it, that would be your ancillary duty. She all but guffawed. Morale officer? Me? Well, who better to suggest ways to improve morale than the one person with the most to gain? I let her digest that for a full tick. Her expression went from contempt and surprise to serious contemplation. You're serious? Yes, Miss Arione, I'm serious. I let her stew for a half-dozen heartbeats. So are you interested? She nodded. Yes, Captain, I'm interested. I think you're blowing smoke, but I'm interested. I nodded and reached across the table to offer my hand. The guard at the door flinched, and I looked at him. Is there a problem? He eyed me, and then her, and shook his head. She reached across and took my hand, shaking it briefly. Thank you, Ms. Arione. I look forward to sailing with you. She retreated behind her shields. I bet you do. I nodded at the guard, and he opened the door and escorted the prisoner away. She didn't look back. Thanks for listening to Captain's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper. Music is the Mason's Apron and is used with permission of the artist J.F. Archer. Find this and other works by J.F. Archer at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Durandus, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 U.S. License. For more information on the golden age, visit www.solarclipper.com. Thank you.